0: Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast. We're here doing our FPMRS fellowship Specialty Series. I'm here with Dr. Howard Goldman, who is Professor of Surgery at the Cleveland Clinic and part of the FPMRS Fellowship at Cleveland Clinic. So uh, welcome.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: So tell me a little bit about the fellowship.
1: So the fellowship has been around for many, many years. We've graduated probably about 30 plus fellows over the years, actually more than that. Uh, It was originally started back when Rodney Appel was there. I was, I think, the third or fourth fellow, and uh, over the years, we've the faculty's grown. We now have four full time faculty, and we've had many outstanding fellows come through. and uh, It's nice because not only do we have a strong female uh, component of the fellowship, which is what we're obviously primarily about, but we also have the strong institutional and departmental resources of a top hospital and urology department that our fellows get to interact with and be part of.
0: That's great. Can you elaborate a little bit on those resources?
1: Yes. So there are tremendous strengths in the other urologic subspecialties. So we are so busy with primarily female urology and neurology that our group of four primarily really doesn't do that much of male reconstructive urology anymore. However, we have three full-time staff who that's all they do. So our fellows are able, if they are interested, to go over there and spend time with them, uh, learning some of that as well. We also have a very, very strong urogynecology department who we interact with a lot, and actually the fellows, our fellows switch with theirs for one or two months a year, so they spend time with their staff. And then we also have tremendous research and, research and other just institutional strengths from being one of the largest hospitals in the country.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Um, tell me, as far as electives, I know you mentioned they spend some time with urogynecology. What other electives can they do or time do they have to do other electives?
1: So they are supposed to do time with uh, colorectal surgery, mm-hmm. something in that regard. They do time with urogynecology. They have the option to do some time with our male reconstructive people. And then the truth is we are so busy, I mean, we all together at our institution at the different sites we have over 50 urologists so for instance if somebody knew they were going to be going somewhere that they were going to do more cystectomies then there's the opportunity they could always do more of them perhaps not with the four of us but with one of our colleagues so there's a lot of a lot of wiggle room and then they also do spend some time a small amount of time that they run a clinic at the VA hospital that's more urology focused
0: okay so they run that, that clinic entirely by themselves
1: they do have supervision, but practically they're doing most of it on their own.
0: Okay, and what, what else clinically, what other kind of uh, clinic-based experience do they have?
1: So they spend a lot of time in clinic with the four faculty. Currently, they don't have their own independent clinics. And then they spend time with us in the procedural areas where we do a lot of Botox, PES for uh, sacral neuromodulation. We're doing you know, different research studies. We're doing percutaneous placement of tibial nerve stimulators, things of that nature. And then they spend a lot of time with the, us in the OR. Okay.
0: And how would you break down their exposure to the different components of FPMRS, like female vaginal surgery, robotic surgery, um, neuro cases, things like that? So
1: I, I think about all is the same thing. But <laughs> to break it out, uh, so... They do a lot of vaginal surgery, whether it's prolapse, incontinence, fistulas, diverticula, fixing other complications. They do a fair amount of robotics, particularly supracervical hysterectomies, hysterectomies, uh fistulas, re- removal of slings from the bladder, et cetera, et cetera, robotically. Uh, we do a fair amount of neuro The one thing that we don't do much of is we really don't do much spinal cord. Uh, And that's because, except for when they go to the VA, and that's a small time period, uh, we don't have a city hospital that we're associated with. On the other hand, we have a huge multiple sclerosis center, so we get a lot of patients who have MS. And then just based on our hospital's expertise, we get a lot of patients with unusual, whether it's anything from transverse myelitis to some rare neurologic diseases that I sometimes have to look up what they are when the patients come see me. Well, we do see a lot of that.
0: Well, it's good to know that someone still has to look them up besides just me.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you're not alone.
0: Um, and uh, what kind of research requirements do you have for your fellows?
1: So currently the research requirements are the basic minimum is that they have to complete a scientifically sound study, which is suitable for publication, in which they present to both the urology and urogynecology staff at the end of their time, and that's sort of their thesis. Practically, they do a lot more than that. Um, We have everything from multi-center, actually actually multi-continent prospective studies. We're doing a study looking at sling outcomes, follow-up, and things like that. That includes our center, which the two fellows who just graduated ran, but it also includes two sites in China, South America, Italy, as well as others in the U.S., so things as Exotic as that. Uh, they do a lot of just more simpler prospective studies. They do some retrospective things. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunity, and then we also work with a um, PhD, Margo Damoser, who has a very nice lab, everything from stem cell therapy to aerodynamic technology to biomedical engineering, and many of our residents and fellows. Uh, spend time in her lab or collaborate with her for their some of their research projects
0: That's a, That sounds like a great experience. Um, are there any call requirements for your fellows?
1: Currently, no Okay, And except where... when I'm on call just no, just, just <laughs> kidding just kidding
0: <laughs> and uh, where have your past fellows gone into practice?
1: so I think it's probably about 60% 65% academic and 35, 40% uh, private practice, usually some of the very big practices. So uh, just thinking back recently, we have fellows going into big groups in Maryland, Philadelphia. We have fellows who have gone to uh, universities in Tennessee, Oregon. One of our former fellows is uh, joining Hopkins. Uh, We have former fellows in many academic positions throughout the country.
0: Okay, great. And what's it like to live in Cleveland?
1: So it's interesting, I preface it that way, because I actually grew up in Los Angeles and went to school in New York. So I'm sort of it's from the coasts, <laughs> and I'm used to the very big city. And many people outside of Cleveland don't realize how nice it is. And But I think I can speak with authority, being from those other cities. It's actually what I always tell people, it, is, it has all of the best attributes of a big city, very good cultural scene, outstanding museums, some of these are relics to when Cleveland was the fifth largest city in the United States, as well as sports teams, all that sort of thing, but very few of the hassles. So you're not gonna hit too much traffic. It's unusual you'll spend more than 20 to 25 minutes in your car going anywhere. Uh, The cost of living, home prices are very cheap. Most of our fellows buy homes when they come, even if it's only for two years. Uh, They don't have to, of course. Uh, so it's it's actually, the winters are a bit cold. The summers are beautiful. A lot of outdoor activities close by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's, particularly even if you're just going to be there for two years, it's a great place.
0: Sounds great. Is, so overall, it sounds like an amazing fellowship. What do you think your biggest strength is out of all the things you've talked about or something you haven't mentioned?
1: So I think we, I think there's a tremendous positive interaction between the fellows and the staff in a very friendly um collegial i think when the, when the fellows leave i consider them now my my friends so mm-hmm. to speak so i think they're very comfortable uh and in general happy i think we have some very very good staff who are well versed in all sorts of surgery i mean i just i don't want to toot my own horn but we we're talking with one of my fellows in the last two weeks the fellows who were with me, we did robotic prolapse repairs, we did sacrospinuses, we did uterosacrals. So, I mean, we sort of, in the same week or two, did all the different types of surgeries. And so I think with the various very well-trained faculty that we have, you sort of hit all of these areas and kind of come out knowing a lot of different ways to handle a problem, and ultimately, it's good to know different techniques and Once you get out, you decide for yourself exactly how you want to do it. I also think the faculty, uh, many of us are, have good connections and are involved in many of the various organizations, so I think that can help fellows when they're looking for jobs and things of that nature. And then again, I think just being at a world-class institution uh, and having the backing of such an institution is very helpful.
0: Great. Is, uh, Is there anything that's actively changing in the program or that you want to see change in the future?
1: So we actually are in the process of hiring a new uh, staff member, That's great. so there will be a new person uh, on the team, so to speak, probably 11 months from, 11 months from now, at the beginning of the uh, 2020 academic year. Uh, they've also hired some new colorectal people with a specific interest in pelvic floor, so I think that there are a lot of additional pieces that will only serve to strengthen the fellowship. That's
0: great. And I did forget to ask you, how many uh, fellows are you taking per year?
1: So we take two per year. Okay,
0: Okay. great. Well, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the SuFu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.